This is Issues 2023. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Brian Walker, President and CEO of Kansas Food Bank. Welcome to Issues 2023, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you back again. Sure. Thanksgiving is coming up. Yeah. Hard, hard to believe. <laughs> I tell you what, it's my favorite holiday. Well, it's really all the food. Probably. No, no, just the, the whole idea of families getting together and the food and sure. the football, all of it together. Big part of our family celebration always is turkey, dressing, mashed potatoes, Maybe some green bean casserole, pumpkin pie, deviled eggs, maybe. I'm starting to get hungry. That's <laughs> That's pretty good. I wonder how many of us take that uh, annual feast for granted. You know, I think uh, a lot of us do. Um, being in the work of the, of the food bank, um, you know, we seem to, I don't think we do as much. We might do. But, you know, one in 10 uh, Kansas families struggle with hunger. And so there's a number of folks that would um, love to enjoy a traditional Thanksgiving, but just can't because they can't afford to put that food on their table. Is the Kansas Food Bank doing anything special for Thanksgiving? That's a dumb question, but there it is. You know, we always <laughs> see we see increase we see increase in demands um, because we all like to do a little bit more for those uh, for our neighbors that are struggling. And so we have um, on our website there's a list of food distributions throughout the city for Thanksgiving. Um, it's easier if they just go to kansasfoodbank.org to find those, but there's a number of places handing out turkeys and Thanksgiving meals, so those folks that are struggling this time of year can just enjoy the same things that uh, you and I enjoy at Thanksgiving. Um, feeding Kansas, uh, feeding America's, feeding America's website. I'm sorry, reports uh, that 44 million in the United States are food insecure. 13 million are children. What does the term food insecure mean, Brian? So basically, food insecure is not having the ability to put nutritious food on your table um, every night for your family, in a nutshell. And so in Kansas, that number is one in seven children are food insecure. So if a, if a family wants to think about their child's uh, friend on a baseball team or the, uh, the child next to them in class or maybe at church, um, one in seven of those are food insecure. So hunger is not a thing that people like to talk about if they're hungry, if they can't afford to feed their family. So it's kind of the quiet um, problem that we um, we really don't think about a lot when we're not the ones struggling. Do you take do you have any figures for Wichita or South Central Kansas? You cover the whole state, don't, don't you? Yeah, we cover 85 percent of the state. Um, you know, our numbers in Sedgwick County run about what the state numbers are, one in 10 families, one in seven children. Uh, what we have noticed is our number of seniors increasing. Um, we're relating that um, to inflation. So if you're on if you're on a fixed income or if you're a, a family that's struggling and is on SNAP benefits, as those prices have gone up in the grocery store, your income hasn't gone up. And so we're seeing numbers um, right now that um, are pushing the same numbers we saw during the pandemic. And most of that, we uh, believe, is related to, to uh, inflation. So I'm going to backtrack just a bit. So let me get this in my head. One in 10 uh, people in Kansas, one in seven children. Correct. Okay. Correct. You got that right, Ten. So, again, the geographic area, 85 counties, uh, there was 105, so that leaves only 20 counties you don't serve. That's up in the northeast corner that, that has something else, right? Yeah, so the, we have a sister food bank, uh, Harvesters, out of Kansas City. We work with them a lot on, on different issues, but we look at it as, um, you know, we have the hard part of the state. So we have, because um, rural hunger is just as important as urban hunger, and so if, if you uh, live in a more rural area of Kansas and are hungry, our job is to make sure you have the food you need, just as well as the folk, uh, folks living right here in Wichita. Our job is to make sure that they have the food that they need. How many people benefit from your services, do you think, Brian? I think it's, um, 
Well, I hate to quote this number, but I think an unduplicated number is like 250,000 people uh, a year. We serve or we distribute about um, 15 to 16 million meals a year, just depending on the on the on the year. So that's that's quite a number of of meals, of course. Take us through the process. Uh, it's not just you actually work through other organizations to get the food out there, right? So take us through the process. How sure. do you get the food and how does it get there? Yeah, so we have about um, 700 partners across the state when you count our um, hunger relief partners. When we talk about hunger relief partners that way, we're talking about a, a, a food pantry, a soup kitchen, domestic violence shelter, rescue mission, those kind of places where people go to get food. That's the majority of what we do. Uh, and then we have some other programs that we run for seniors and um, children, but I'll, we'll talk about the food insecure partners. So we collect donated food from across uh, the nation. We're a member of Feeding America. Now, we're our own entities. All of our funds stay locally. Our decisions on how we operate are, are made by our local board. But Feeding America raises their own funds and works with national donors. So we have access to all this food that's donated nationally. Plus, we collect donated food locally from our our big partners like Dillon's and Walmart and Cargill. And then we also purchase millions of dollars worth of food every year. And then the agencies we serve, so your church food pantry, your rescue mission, they can, um, we're pretty modern. They can go online, all of our inventory in the warehouses online. They can put their order together and order the food from us that they need. And then it makes you to the hands and the, the mouths of the food insecure, right? Right. So then, then folks, it's not a perfect system, but it's, it's worked where we're going to be 40 years old next year. And then our, our neighbors can go to those um, agencies that are handing out food or cooking a meal and get the food they need um, to get through the week. Did, do you uh, have, tell me about the food that you're getting. Is it just something in cans? Is it Fresh food, turkeys, what, what, what Yeah, so we do, we do everything that you'd see in the grocery store. We, of course, do perishable food, and then we also do um, non-perishable food. But we have a real focus on produce right now, right? Uh, our goal is to provide um, fresh, nutritious product to our, um, to our neighbors that need it. Produce is one of the more expensive things in the grocery store, so if you're trying to stretch your dollar, you're going to, um, you know, you go for quick calories and, and <laughs> stretching your dollar the furthest. So... We work with a number of vendors to um, supply fresh produce. We're right now we're doing about 4.5 million pounds of produce um, every year, which is huge for us considering we were doing you know 40,000 pounds eight years ago. And our goal is just to make sure that that product's available. We don't want to be um, telling people what to eat, but we just want to make sure they have the option to choose the healthiest items for them. My assumption would be that the holidays and even maybe specifically. Thanksgiving is the toughest time for you or the most demand. Is that, is that true or is there, are there other times of the year? You know, we used to really see it spike and, and then go down. But anymore, the, of course, the holiday season is the busiest for us. Um, you get kids out of school around Christmas longer so they can't depend on school meals. So that increases demand. And again, um, we all like to provide, you know, um, a bigger meal for those families so they can celebrate with their families like we do. And so we just see demand spike. We've been lucky this year with the weather. We haven't seen cold weather. That also creates a demand spike. But again, inflation is really doing it because not only the inflation on groceries, but the inflation with everyday life things affects somebody on a fixed income. And food, um, when you're having to choose between food and medicine, those kind of choices uh, none of us want to have to make. Um, but we see that happen more so in the cooler months and colder months. What's a food desert? You know, a food desert, there's two different types of food deserts. Um, 
in the in the um, urban areas, a food desert is basically you're not within a certain mile radius of a grocery store or a grocery store that has a large selection. And then in the urban areas, it's a different term. But basically what it amounts to is um, folks that struggle with transportation issues, uh, whether that be in the rural areas or in the urban areas, um, trouble getting to the grocery store to have the products you need to put on your table. They may be able to make it to a corner market, but they don't have you know fresh produce or they don't have a variety of products. So you're forced to pay a higher price for your items and you're forced to uh, maybe not eat the best items for you. I was uh, just thinking about food deserts. My grandparents, my mother's home is a small town out in Western Kansas. And uh, they, for years, had a small market on Main Street. I remember Mr. Kitch in there. Uh-huh. Just a small little, you could get what bread and milk. That went away. And now they're, they're out there, my grandparents, 18 miles from Larned. Yeah, if you want anything to eat, you got to get over there. And up there, they had to make sure they got everything they needed in one trip. You know, right. Thirty percent of the counties um, in Kansas are considered food desert. Thirty percent of the R eighty five. So, and it's just a struggle, especially with that population is more senior based, and so it's harder for them to travel to a grocery store. And so, um, and then again, you don't have the variety that you have um, uh, in a large city. And so, one of the things that um, really helps with hunger is SNAP benefits or food stamps because it supports the local grocery store in those rural areas and it supports the client that's going to get the product. They can choose what they need. And so to fight hunger all around, we need what the food bank does, but we also need programs like SNAP benefits or commodities distribution that help fill that gap because food banks can't do it all. Tell me about SNAP benefits. I, uh, it's been a while since I saw that term or heard it. Right. So, um, you know, lots of people refer to that as the old food stamp program, but SNAP benefits um, are benefits that folks receive that that qualify. And the greatest thing about SNAP benefits is that it supports so much because, you know, folks are buying the food, so it supports the the farmers that produce the food. It supports the the grocery stores, especially in rural areas. And then in tune, it helps the client that needs to put food on their tables. You're listening to Issues 2023 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Brian Walker, President and CEO, Kansas Food Bank. Brian, how did the COVID pandemic impact the Kansas Food Bank? You know, we thought, um, I can remember when we sat down and said, boy, what are we going to do? And and it just kind of, you know, communities came together and donors came together, monetary and, and food and you know, distribution was through the roof and how are we going to do this? But we have so many great partners um, throughout our service area where we would run mobile distributions. We pre-stationed food in uh, low-income senior housing across the state. We worked with the National Guard to distribute meals throughout the state to our different partners. So it changed our whole outlook on how we do things. Um, A lot of those agencies have stuck with the drive-by model, so where people can just come by and the food's put in their car so they don't have to, to go inside. Um, we would rather see getting back to shopping models so clients can choose what they want, right? Um, but it really, again, we haven't seen, we're seeing numbers now that we saw through the pandemic um, of folks visiting our partners. Um, and so it's just been, since the pandemic, it's just kind of been, it's the I really hate this term, but it is the new normal for the food bank. We're just seeing record distributions all the time. And I hate to bring this up, but something like that could happen again. 
Of course, you know we're a lot more prepared for it now. We know at least we think we know what we're going to do. Yeah, right. Uh, but it's it's just changed our outlook at at how vulnerable our food system is, and how vulnerable those people, those um, neighbors that need a helping hand are when something like that happens compared to other folks that have do have additional resources. Now, do you promote any special programs for feeding children? We do. We have uh, what we call our Food for Kids program. It actually will be 20 years old next year, which is hard to believe. I remember when we we started the program uh, in Malvern, Kansas. But basically, it's a pretty simple program. We use uh, volunteers in public schools, averages between 350, 400, depending on the year, uh, to identify children who they feel do not have enough food over the weekend. We purchase the food, and then we use thousands of volunteers that come in and pack our backpacks full of food. Um, and we distribute those out to the schools to make sure that those kids who they identify have food to eat over the weekend. So it on Friday, these kids aren't as worried about, boy, what am I going to eat over the weekend? Because they know they're going to have food. And then on Monday when they come back, um, they're not hungry, right, or not as hungry. And so it's just a great program. It's pretty simple. It's costly, but it just makes it real easy to feed kids. How about uh, special programs to feed seniors? Yeah, we have a couple of those that we operate. One of those um, is the Bob Box program. Uh, that's in a number of counties. Um, you might say, why is it called Bob Box? But it's named after former Senator Dole. Bob Dole. Yeah. Um, when we first presented that to him, he said it's something he's interested. So he helped fund that for three years. Yeah. But that program is um, boxes. We station boxes in health departments um, in the rural part of the state. If they identify some senior that's there for some reason, they can just give that senior a box of food and the senior doesn't have to ask for it. And most of the time what we found is seniors in those rural areas don't like to ask for it because they're worried for other reasons that they may want to take them out of their home or whatever. And then we also run the CSFP, Commodity Supplemental Food Program. We do that in about 19 counties I think we're at right now. That's a government program. We do all the intake. So it's age-based and income-based. We do all the intake, and then we identify the seniors that qualify for a box, and so they get a box of food every month. Um, that box of food differs every month, but we um, use, again, volunteers to pack those boxes of food up, and then our food insecure seniors um, can rely on that box of food. One thing the food bank does with that is we add produce to that, right? Okay. That's not part of the program, but we add produce to that. Tell us about mobile food pantries. So that is um, that's a term that can be used uh, in different ways. We use it as we have a number of places in the rural areas that don't have a fixed base pantry, a bricks and mortar pantry. So we put the items together, box of food, produce, um, whatever other items we have to add to that. Our driver shows up, unloads the product. We do have volunteers in the community that will do the distribution. Our driver moves on to the next place. Um, so it helps us serve communities that, that don't have a pantry. In Wichita, mobile pantry looks like we run um, one at Evergreen, one up at Progressive at different times of the month that's on our website uh, and other places. And we just provide um, food and produce for folks to drive through and they can get their, um, we can help meet their food needs here in the Wichita area. Now, some of those are just produce and some of those are dry goods and produce. And that all that information is on our website. What about uh Mobile hygiene pantry. I saw this term the other day. Yeah, so um, we have, um, for a number of um, years now, in um, 
in the Lord's Diner facility in South Wichita, the third Saturday of every month, we put together a package of pre-made hygiene items like laundry soap and bar soap and toothpaste and those kind of things that that um, a lot of folks take for granted. But if you can't afford groceries, you certainly can't afford those hygiene items. So we put those together along with choices for folks, whether that be diapers for their um, children, razors, those kind of things. They can come to that hygiene pantry and pick up the items they need. Again, that's the third Saturday every month. And so I think that's that would be this Saturday, mm. right? That'd be, yeah. Um, so they can go out to our, to our website at kansasfoodbank.org and get that information. And all they need um, is an ID that shows where they live. Are there any other programs or services you'd like to talk about today? Right? Well, we, you know, we do a couple things that um, food rescue programs. So a lot of folks see our trucks drive around town. That's kind of a weird word is rescuing rescue, food, yeah. food. But we work with all the local grocers, you know, anybody you think about where you shop at, um, we have a partnership with. And the product that is still good, but it might not be good enough to be on their shelf. So produce that's still good. Meat that is in their fresh case, but it has a sell-by date. So if you freeze it, it's just fine. We pick all that product up, uh, millions of pounds of food every year, roughly about 6.3 million pounds of food we pick up from grocery stores. We bring that back to the food bank. We use volunteers to sort it. And then we turn around and we send that product out to our partners. So instead of that product winding up in the landfill, uh, it's still a great product, and it winds up on one of our um, Food Insecure's neighbors' tables for an evening meal. So when you (laughs) – I'll tell you, if you're like me, you got to eat someplace – and you see somebody leave a lot of stuff, a lot of food. It, it probably breaks your heart just to see all that stuff thrown away. You know, what really is, is, is I think it's a United States phenomenon, and, and it's all good. I'm not griping about it. It's our portions are so big, right? Yeah, and yeah so we're they just are. so used to that. So, But, we, you know, when you're in our work, um, we see different ways to um, rescue food every day. And so that's just one of the things that um, – you know, you, that you look at and you go to yourself. Because I leave food on my plate, too, like everybody, right? You get these big portions. And so it does kind of bother you a little bit, but you can't do much with it after somebody's eaten off of the <laughs> off of the plate, right? Um, but food rescue is we do, you know, we do at, at restaurants and stuff, too, product that's still good but can't be served. So all these places do what they can. It's really changed over the years. They'd rather see that food go to, on somebody's table than into the landfill. Yeah. And how is uh, how's Kansas Food Bank funded? How do you pay the bills? Yeah, so we're a, um, we're a private not for profit. So of course we work with um, our larger companies in town and our smaller businesses who support our work. We write lots of grants and we have a direct mail campaign. Um, and so we request dollars to operate. We use those dollars to buy food. Of course we have um, we cover eighty five counties, so we have roughly twenty nine staff, and we have to. To pay them as well, um, and then we work um, um, you know, with national uh, foundations as well that fund hunger work. And so that money comes in, we put it to good use. And uh, one of the things we're really proud of is um, our admin and fundraising expenses run about three percent of our budget, right? Not bad. And so we have some of the best numbers uh, yeah. in the not-for-profit world. And and the great thing about the food bank is too, if somebody is not comfortable giving money. Um, but wants to get food, do that, right? Call us, bring it, drop it by. Um, we'll gladly take their food and distribute it out to a family. Or we can take your dollars and we can turn uh, basically $1 into $4. Um, and because we buy 
um, at wholesale and, and some of the products donated. And then we can just purchase the product um, that we need. You say you had a staff of 29. Has that been a constant number through the years? Yeah, or? I mean, it's um, this last probably two years we've added uh, about four staff. So we stayed at 25 for a long time. Um, but we've had to add more staff because of a couple different programs that we're running um, to help feed people that's, that's taken some extra bodies. But most of our staff, of course, is um, they're driving trucks, they're pulling orders in the warehouse, uh, they're doing those kind of things. You mentioned earlier uh, volunteers, the V word. And I'll tell you, I do this show every week, and uh, people who are involved in public service and whatnot, we got a lot of volunteers working in Wichita and you know, in Kansas. How many do you use, you think? You know, we use thousands of hours every month. And volunteers, Wichita is a great community when it comes to volunteers. We have we have numbers of groups that just, I mean, they have the second Tuesday of every month. They're coming in all throughout the year. Um, but we can always use more, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we have volunteers, that's one of the reasons we can spend so much money on <laughs> on programs and not a lot uh, on admin because we have volunteers packing boxes, sorting produce, putting together food for kids packets. And I'll tell you, once, you know, it seems like once they do that, they're hooked, right? Hunger is one of those things that none of us like. They don't believe anybody in this country should be hungry. And so we see volunteers time and time again. And we would love, volunteers are just as important as food and money because we couldn't do it without them. They can sign up on our website. There's a volunteer link. Uh, if they want to bring a big group, um, they can do that as well. Now, what are the biggest challenges face, facing at the food bank, Brian? Uh, you know, food actually is the biggest challenge, right? Uh, ironically, but as I spoke a little bit earlier, we talked about having to buy so much more food and because we just don't get what's donated. And so, um, you know, long-term, um, and short term, we're um, just asking people to give us food and or give us funds to buy food. That is our biggest issue right now. It's pretty simple. What? Uh, how did you get in this business, and why? What motivates you every day? Yeah, so it's it's twenty seven years now at the food bank. Yeah, wow. Um, I came out of the grocery business after school. And That's, I remember now. Yeah, yeah, you told me. And that. so I just got hooked on it, and I love it. We have. Most of our staff has been there. There's a couple that have been there 20 years, 15 years, and it's one of those things you get you get hooked. Um, you know when we know when we leave at the end of the day that we've we've helped to change somebody's life. Now everybody in the country has an important job, no matter what it is you do, um, but we just know that we've 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 changed somebody's life at the end of the day. You know, and that's that's pretty good motivation because a lot of people <laughs> I've talked to police officers who say, you know what, my job is never done. Sure, right? It is. <laughs> and, and yours is never done either. Right. And you know, and and you know, we um we get a lot of credit at the food bank for feeding folks and and we work really hard at it. But again, we couldn't do it without the folks uh, across the state that support our work and the food donors and the individuals. It's um we just couldn't do it without them. All right. So you'd like to have you'd like to have donations, like to have food, like to have money, like to have some more volunteers in, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's that simple. And what we'd really like to have is no one hungry, uh, but that's a that's a longer a longer um, battle for us. But in the meantime, we just want to make sure that nobody goes hungry. Do you think if the holidays are you're gonna you're gonna have a good uh, you're gonna be successful? Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, uh, Thanksgiving is really close, yeah. and so we're we're where we need to be, and then we'll start worrying about Christmas. But again. Um, we can only be successful because we're able to get the word out on what it is that we do. And for your web pages, again, what's, what's the address? It's kansasfoodbank.org. That's or, easy. Yeah, or give us a call at 265-FOOD, 
265-3663. Thank you, sir. Our guest is Brian Walker, President and CEO, Kansas Food Bank. And that's all for this edition of Issues 2023. Thanks, as always, Brian, for spending some time with us. Thank you. We'll be back next week, and we'll thank you all for listening. And if we don't talk to you again, have a great Thanksgiving. I'm Steve McIntosh.